Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chase Down on Leverage the Chat. I'm Justin Rowan with my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, everything is solved. The Cavs are winning basketball games again. I'm not sure everything is solved, Justin, but uh Hey, look, listen, they, they have beat some some juggernauts. The four straight games, second longest winning streak in the NBA. How can you tell me things aren't fine? I guess you're right. Um yeah, no, everything is good now. Um yeah, I, I in a lot of ways, like it's been an encouraging week, and in a lot of ways, it's like all the same problems are still there. Uh, I don't know, like how are you feeling about this team over the course of this four-game win streak? I, I think you summed it up pretty well. That a lot of the issues are still there. They're still dead last in def- defensive efficiency. Um, those concerns are are very much real. Hey, but hey, but they're not as dead last. <laughs> it's true but I, I think there's a lot of signs for encouragement with this team um i think they are playing better team basketball uh Dwayne wade has looked really good since he's gone to the bench lebron is still pretty damn good at basketball kevin love's been good uh jay crowder showing at least more effort on defense i i think the offense is a bit of a roller coaster ride still but overall the the team is starting to show more signs of being a team And when you factor that with all the injuries they've had and the fact that they are going to be getting guys back and and Isaiah Thomas is now participating in practice, I I think things are going in the right direction with this team. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be future lulls and things are, are going to fall apart to some extent when they face better competition, but it's hard not to be encouraged right now with how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, so... I think some of the stuff is looking a lot better. I think Tyron Lewis at least found lineups that are like working. Right. Um, and he's going to them fairly regularly, which is encouraging to see. Uh, the defense seems to like not be messing up as much. Uh, yeah, like it's not great, but it's not overt. Like just yeah. historically hilariously bad defense. Yeah, and then you look at you look at the fact that the bench is playing well without LeBron on the floor. Um, I think that matters a lot long-term, even if they're playing some inferior competition, like you kind of start to see the bones of a team. That's not bad at basketball in this four game. <laughs> uh, but I will say something that um, a friend of the show, Jeff Namina said to me that I think that has really stuck with me is like, like the Cavs just used to like blow teams out of the water. When I like a, like year well, one, like, the second half games, of year one, they did games. that. I'm <sighs> saying there are games where they blow teams out of the water, where they look overwhelmingly good. I'm not They're sure only has looked overwhelming at any point in the season. No, well, I, I guess their one convincing win was the second game of the season where they won by like 20 against Milwaukee in Milwaukee. Like I felt like that was an impressive win, even though Milwaukee still got off to a rough start this season. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Like, it, I think it's tough to really get too down on this team. Like 
I'm naturally when things are going well, I'm looking at okay, well, how sustainable is this? What? Why are things going well? Is this legit? And when things are going poorly, I I tend to think okay, things are going to get a little bit better. Never too high, never too low. And when you're dealing with this team, like yes, they haven't had a lot of convincing wins, but they're also missing two of their four most important players. Like Tristan Thompson and Isaiah Thomas, it's very important for the team that those guys get back and start playing like themselves. Um, Kevin Love, even though he he's kind of been a tire fire on defense, I think we're kind of underappreciating just how good he's been offensively this season. He is having his most efficient season of his career in terms of troop shooting percentage. It's at 60%, uh, just over 18 points per game, over 10 rebounds. He, he's been inconsistent, and I do understand that when this team has had some of its ugliest losses, he's been a non-factor in those. But overall, his impact this season has been very good. And I think it's just a matter of these guys figuring out how to, how to play with each other. Yeah, I think I mean, I, I think both of us are feeling fairly good about this team right now um, compared to how we felt like two weeks ago. Uh, I think that when you're looking at things that are sustainable, you know Wade is going to probably stay pretty solid at where he's at. Like, what he's doing isn't unsustainable. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Uh, I I think he's capable of playing better. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that LeBron's play is fairly sustainable. It's kind of what he does. Um, I think it's fair to say Love's play is sustainable. It's what he does. Uh, Corver, same. Uh, and then you look at the guys, the you know the candidates for regression. You're probably mostly looking at Jeff Green, but Jeff Green's like it's. I mean, his three point shot has been better than it really has any right to be. <laughs> like he's like, like he's only shooting thirty three percent. He's not like hitting a ton of threes. Yeah, so, like, like that's 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 normal. Like that wouldn't yeah. be. I I don't think that would be a career high mark for him, right? I don't think so. And if it is, it's. I feel like it's probably close to his uh, career average. I'm looking now. Uh, but, I mean, if you're just looking at Green, like, it, his strong play has been a matter of of style as opposed to, um, you know, unreasonable production. Like, he's always been able to dunk. He's always right. been able to make layups. Like, yeah, he's, always, he's, he's, he's in that condensed. Um, yeah. So he's, I mean, he's getting to the line at a really strong rate. Uh, his career high in three-point shooting, by the way, was a outlier year in 2013 where he shot 38%. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, which he's not ever doing again. But the point is, he's not like – he might not be a 33% shooter, but that's not like a huge part of the reason he's been good for the Cavs. So I think when you're looking at this team, a lot of the the candidates for regression aren't really there or negative regression, but then you look at the positive regression, okay, they're going to add a healthy Tristan Thompson, who Brian Wittenhorst on this podcast said was nursing a knee injury as well. Right. Uh, You look at, you're going to integrate Isaiah Thomas, who finished fifth in MVP voting. Like, whether you like Thomas or not, like, it seems pretty clear that he's at the least helpful, and he's also not Derrick Rose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derek Rose should not be in this rotation when Isaiah Thomas comes back and is playing healthy. Um, him coming back, like, obviously, I've expressed my concerns about how Isaiah Thomas is going to factor in against the Warriors when it, it when and if the Cavs get to the finals. 
But there's no denying that he's a great player. Like, he is a really, really damn good player. And I think a big part of what he's going to do is get everyone settled into their roles. Like, we're talking about whether or not what Jeff Green is doing is sustainable. Um, He's in that condensed role, almost like what Derek Williams had, where it's, hey, run the floor, be athletic. This is a team that hasn't always had a lot of athletes. So when you have someone that's going to cut and finish on those on those cuts and those passes that LeBron and other playmakers create for you, that's really big. Games where Jeff Green has struggled is when the offense bogs down and they need someone to create, and all of a sudden Jeff Green's posting up from 18 feet. But when you have another creator like Isaiah Thomas, if anything, it might make things easier for Green and and help him sustain this production. Um, So I do think there are a lot of guys that are due for positive um, regression there. Yeah, I mean, it's also worth noting uh, Jay Crowder. um, You know, I think he's... I mean, it's very clear to me that so I've heard some people, I think Lowe said on his podcast with Beck about like how Celtics people were saying, oh, you know, he wasn't the same player last year after like an ankle injury or something two right. years ago. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know, he's still pretty good last year. He's better than this. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think hopefully once he gets a little more solidified, you know, you see the potential at least for positive regression. And then also, finally, you have. J.R. Smith, who is currently shooting 31% from three. Mm-hmm. That should get better. Um, it, it has gone better. Like It, it was yeah. down at like 12% through like the first 10 games or whatever. Yeah. It was... So that's, that's normalizing quite a bit. And yeah. So you see a lot of positive trends. Um, and, you know, I think the real biggest negative trend that could hit this team is, as you said, putting Derrick Rose back in the rotation. I mean... <sighs> It, it it's funny because Derrick Rose, as much as I hate it, and I haven't been shy about admitting that I'm not a big fan of Derrick Rose as a person. I, I just don't. It's not someone that I can identify with, and I, I don't get the appeal of him. Um, but the fact that he has been just so damaging to the team when he's on the court, he looked okay in preseason, and, and you kind of had to acknowledge that. But the Cavs were also playing a lot of really bad teams in preseason, and you're going like 20 deep with a, a bunch of training camp signees and stuff like that. And he was the the focal point of the offense. Like there was no, there wasn't even LeBron there. Uh, most games in in preseason so he looked good then but he's just been a disaster and I don't know how much of that his inability to finish um, and, and really make decisions is connected to his injury like his field goal percentage hasn't been horrific but he's just kind of submarined the team on both ends of the floor when he's out there and, and just the lack of passing from him is startling, especially when he came into the season boasting how the league had turned him into a score and he was going to get back to his facilitating roots. Um, he's by far having his most selfish season as a player. It, it, it's it's incredible to watch. Yeah, um, it's like there's very few players who make it more clear that you can't just read a box score to see how a player <laughs> plays in rows because... He has just been so damaging, as you've said. And I think that if the Wade backup point guard experiment wasn't going so swimmingly, you could make the case of like, okay, 
So he doesn't really – he's killing LeBron by dominating the ball in LeBron-led lineups, and he's not passing. So he doesn't work with LeBron. So maybe you could put him in there for like 15 minutes a game as like this offense, instant offense point guard off the bench. Like I think that would be a archetype that, you know, I think we could all sell ourselves on. Yeah. It's like, no, they're good there. They don't – they neither want nor need Derrick Rose to do that off the bench with Wade playing the way he is. Right, and and that was kind of the role that most fans had, had sold themselves into. Even I sold myself into that. He could be a productive in that role. But as he said, with Dwayne Wade playing so well, um, there, there really isn't a spot for him. And one thing that Derrick Rose has actually done this season has been giving me an appreciation for Amon Shumpert. Now, he is admittedly playing more controlled and and when he was playing point guard, even though he wasn't effective as a scorer, um, you you didn't see him go iso shump as often. Uh, He was controlled with his dribble. He wasn't really turning it over a ton. Like, it it was surprising to see, but um, I I mean, if Derrick Rose can help you appreciate what you had, I mean... It isn't doesn't that make the signing positive? <laughs> it does not. Uh, I mean, and also like the fact of the matter is like Shumpert at least provides a degree of versatility that if you're picking one of those two guys to be in the rotation, like you can say, hey, Shump, uh, we're going to play you with Wade and you need to go guard the point guard or you need to guard the bigger threat so Wade can chill. OK, he can do that. Right. Uh, or Shump, we need you to play nominal point guard while LeBron's out there. So. LeBron can, uh, you know, so just and LeBron will be our point guard. That works too. Um, Rose can only play like Derrick Rose. <laughs> he can only do the thing, and it's like that thing. If you're not that good at the thing anymore, then what's the point? And that thing uh, is going balls to the walls at all time. Yeah, and like it's just not working. And I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think you can tell me if I'm uh, like making this up, but I remember when we were talking like early in the year, like after the Wade signing, I kind of like had that like vague kind of not really like a prediction, but like a thought of a possibility that Rose doesn't finish the season with the team. And I still, I'm kind of leaning into that a little more recently. I wouldn't be shocked if Derek Rose doesn't play another game as a Cavalier. Wow. Like I, 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 I think it's likely, I think it's likely that he will, but it would not shock me if he's done. Well, I mean, it kind of just depends on when everyone gets back, right? But, like, this is not a player who's going to be okay in your locker room collecting DNP CDs. Should we go conspiracy theory that the, the doctors are just keeping him out because he's bad? Telling him not to go? <laughs> well, you know I love my conspiracy theories about the Cavaliers <laughs> medical staff. Um, but, no, I, I just think he, his ankles hurt, man, and, like, he's just not that good. Uh, it's, I, I just think ultimately the smartest basketball decision is to take him out of the rotation. But unfortunately in doing so, you are pretty much resigning yourself to having to cut him or have a profoundly unhappy dude in your locker room. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks had it easy last year because Derek Rose would just not show up to games. He didn't even have to come (laughs) up with something though. Though that would make, that would make life easier. Yeah, maybe he'll do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't really see this happening. Like, I just don't see it working. I think I think we both agree that Jeff Green and, and Rose were these flyers that, like, okay, if, they're, if they don't work, it's for the minimum, so who cares? Like, 
I mean, really, they they took three flyers and two of them have worked out. Like, I think it's I know Dwayne Wade's season long numbers haven't been impressive, but it's funny. Like, I I know he isn't the same player he has been in the past defensively. But compared to what the Cavs have had, having that length on the perimeter, like you, he gets these loose balls and, and turnovers and he gets his hands in passing lanes. And sure, he gets beat one on one often. Um, but overall, like I, I think he gives the Cavs something they haven't had. And, and part of the reason those closing lineups have been successful is what he can bring when he's actually engaged. Like he's going to do the same LeBron thing of get beat one-on-one and save himself and um the ceiling of when he's trying certainly is nowhere near as high as lebron but i i still think he can have a positive impact and regardless of whether or not he's scoring that length plus the playmaking he can bring is making him a positive factor on this team now that he's settled into his role and he's no longer kind of freewheeling when he's on the court because he he's becoming comfortable with what the Cavs are trying to run yeah, I, I think that win, I think you're right in talking about that wingspan, that length. Um, I mean, he's only six four, but I think his wingspan is like six eleven or something like that. He's got very <laughs> long arms for a guard. Um, he's got rakes. Maybe it's like six nine. Some, but it's long. He's got long arms, and I mean that's part of why he's been such a prolific shot blocker and stealer in his career. Um, and I just think that like even when he does get beat, he can kind of do the old Andre Kirilenko, like let you by and then harass your shot on the back end um, <laughs> and I, I just think he's been a really solid player for them and i don't need him to have 20 point scoring nights like i don't even want that really and like i get a little uncomfortable when he takes that much of the offense like i'm okay with him just playing point guard doing I'm what a- uh doing what uh jose calderon pretends to do <laughs> hey 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 jose is a legend he's Jose's undefeated. I I think there is an issue that, I mean, no matter what team he's on, even though he's an undrafted player, he's going to get his 14 starts a year. And I I think there might be a curse of Calderon. We might need to investigate that. Hey, Justin, can you do me a favor? Yeah. If you're looking at the Cavs stats, can you delete the or hide the page? Okay. What do you think Jose Calderon's PER is this year? Is it negative? It's Give me that. Negative. It's not negative. Is it even a full one? It's a 0.3. That's amazing. Jose's Jose Calderon's PER looks exactly like his blood alcohol level when he's on the court. <laughs> that's that's goals right there. That's a good joke. Thank you. Um yeah, dude, like I I'm still like I'd rather have K Felder. I, I was looking the other day at unsigned guards, and we don't have to go into that, but I, I was like, how many of these guys would I take over, like, Calderon and Rose? At this point, I might even take, like, Jordan Crawford. Like, let's get some Steezus in here and get, like, as weird as possible. Yeah, like, I, at least Jordan Crawford's <laughs> hilarious. Right, and I've actually really enjoyed this four-game streak because the, they have been so painfully calves but at least these funny and infuriating nights are now ending in wins like uh, i (laughs) i don't know if you can really expect a whole lot because as much as lebron and love are playing well this is still a team that has been absolutely gutted with injuries and and didn't have a lot of continuity to begin with 
Um, so some struggles aren't exactly surprising. What is surprising to me, though, and, and I know this is actually probably one of the best examples of why we can't overanalyze and dissect these early season numbers, but the fact that the Cavs, with LeBron and Love individually playing so well offensively, they're better with both of them on the bench when you're looking at those net ratings, and it's hilarious to me. Like LeBron, hey, can you do me a favor and just run those numbers without Rose, just to, for my peace of mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to do that because I I know. I know when I'm listening to podcasts, my favorite thing is when you hear a keyboard typing for like uh, a minute or two, but I'm going to deprive our listeners of that because <laughs> I'm just, I'm an asshole like that. That's fair. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, Let's get weird, man. <laughs> weird season, ultimately. Like, LeBron has his first negative net rating like since his rookie year. Um like, and I mean, and he's doing they, that while averaging like twenty nine nine and eight on like f- here fifty eight point five percent shooting from the floor, forty uh, percent from three, and a career best free throw percentage of seventy eight percent from the free throw line. Like he's been absurd, and yet Derrick Rose has that power to bring that lineup down. The free throw shooting is fascinating, and so is the three point shooting. I don't remember lebron i remember that one year in miami when he shot 40 percent from three um the his jumper was like so pure i don't think it's ever been this pure in a cavaliers uniform is that fair to say no absolutely and uh, the the form is looking good um i mean he he took big strides last season um he I remember he was taking a lot of jumpers even early on. And even though he wasn't hitting all of them, it's like, no, I worked on this this summer. I'm I'm going to hit these shots. And as the season progressed, he, he was just shooting the lights out. And that's really carried forward. And it's just incredible to me, like, how well he is playing when he doesn't have another guy that can initiate the offense and create shots and make things easier for him. Like, it's just absolutely remarkable because Derek Rocher shit wasn't doing anything. And yet LeBron is still getting that 58.5% from the field. Like, that's absurd. Yeah, I mean, I think he's really enjoying playing with Dwayne Wade again for that reason. Is Wade, like, at the least has a very strong understanding of of LeBron. And, mm-hmm. and he knows where LeBron's going to cut, like, I forget what play it was against the Clippers, so I'm going to freelance a little bit, but I think it was LeBron kind of got into the lane and got stonewalled and just fired this unbelievably hot pass at Wade two feet away. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, like, way too hard of a pass, like, for anyone to catch it, but Wade caught it right away. And I think it was entirely based on, like, this, like, just synergy. like, okay, like, I know this might be coming, so I'm going to be really ready for it. Have you ever like, played with someone like that, like in, in men's league or high school basketball that just passes way too hard all the time? Um, yeah, I've played with some people that are like that. It's, <laughs> it's really annoying. I still remember, I think it was when I was in uh, the 11th grade, um, there there was this one guy that I ended up backing up. He he had came back midway through the season with uh, from an ACL tear. So I had started in his place and he came back, but he was 
one of the best players in the province and he just had a crazy arm on him but he would throw passes way too hard all the time to the point where it was just comical like everyone knew it but someone was he threw a pass from about half court and someone was cutting baseline but wasn't expecting it and he caught him in in the head like in the side of the head and took him clean off his feet it was one of the most hilarious things i've seen <laughs> that a pass could take someone clean off their feet and That's the guy just slides on the floor <laughs> yeah uh, worth noting lebron's true shooting percentage goes up by just under 5% with weight on the floor this season versus that doesn't surprise me um and I think having someone to assist and like can consider that like normally the greatest influencers of LeBron's um, shooting percentages are shooters. Like last year, I, I ran some numbers mid season, like his percentages just shot up whenever Shannon Fry was on the floor. Mm-hmm. So to have him paired with Wade, who like, obviously we all know cannot shoot um, and have his numbers go up like that just is a testament to their chemistry and, his understanding that he's going to get the ball where he wants it with weight on the floor. Hey, Chase Down listeners, listen up. The Cavaliers may not care about the regular season, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but it's not like the other guys. On Draft, you play in real-life snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last minute injuries for you. So you won't be screwed if Derrick Rose gets scratched at the very last minute. Though, if you're rostering Rose, you probably don't deserve to win in the first place. Drafts start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. And the best part, you can play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start at just $1, so you don't have to be Dan Gilbert if you want to buy your way in. There's no salary caps, and you can play in a real live snake draft, just like the one you play in with your friends in a season-long league. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or you can play right from your computer on Draft.com. Whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But if you want that, you're going to have to use our promo code, the Chase Down. That's the Chase Down, one word. That's right, you can play a real money game for free just for using our promo code, the Chase Down, one word, on your first deposit on draft. Two guys I think we need to discuss that as we're talking about Cavs that have played well. Um, like just fucking pros. Like there's there's no other way to say it. Kyle Corver and Channing Fry. Like Channing Fry was completely out of the rotation and then when called upon has has come out and played hard, played well, was ready. Like the, there's not enough good things you can say about him and uh, whether it be from the road tripping podcast where you hear them interact with players or or just how they talk about him or the Snapchats and the videos that they show. Like you can just tell that he's a guy that's always present, always engaged and and clearly always ready as well. And Kyle Korver, like my God, that guy can shoot like his his stats. Like even if you look over his career, it's absurd. But his true shooting percentage this year is point or 69.1 percent and that wouldn't even be that wouldn't even be the best mark of his career that's bonkers 
That's nuts. Um, I mean, the thing with Corver that's so funny is, first off, I can I just take like a moment to dunk on everyone who thought that his, him making seven million a year was too oh, much. dunk on them, dunk on them, man. How insanely like, and like these were smart people, like just like get overreacting to the caps, like rough off season by like oh like and like i can't believe you're paying someone that old that much money like when the third year was almost entirely unguaranteed and how many years until people figure out this new like, cap and what yeah. players are going to make yeah it's absurd like this dude can help you win almost any game <laughs> like he's so good <laughs> and like for him to be making seven million, like sure he's not a good defender anymore, but there are a billion specialists that get more than that all the time. It was hilarious locker room, and like I, I don't know, man, I just cannot believe anyone had any other than like a positive reaction to that deal, especially when we found out the third year was unguaranteed. I would have gotten it like if you were like a little concerned about that, but it's like no, they just made it a really good trade chip for the third year when he inevitably just wants to retire. Yeah, exactly. Like if you like let's say worst case scenario the team has to blow it up next summer. That's pretty easy to flip one guaranteed year of Kyle Corver. Like that's not going to be the end of the world. Not hard at all and he's obviously still good this year. So unless you were really worried he was going to stop being an NBA player all of a sudden, which I guess a couple people were after one bad game against the Celtics. Um, <laughs> like I, I he's competing know. on defense too like it it's almost sad because it's like oh you're the only one trying on defense right now and like he's still in space he's hilariously like outmatched like he's going to get burned by almost anyone in those situations but he plays good team defense he fights through screens he, he's in position and he's got decent hands so he he does get a few deflections um, but it, it's just so sad that the 36-year-old is one of the only guys that's trying on uh, defense consistently. I think if if I can make up a stat right now, Kyle Korver definitely leads the league in um, when there are when the other team is about to get an offensive rebound because they just outjumped Kevin Love and he was out of position to box out of him just <laughs> poking the ball out to like Jr. like. Like, he just kind of comes from behind and just pokes it out as they're grabbing the offensive board and it just pops over to one of his teammates. That's Kyle Korver, like, 12 possessions a game. I, I feel like that's a, a fairly safe bet. Like, not only did that three-point barrage uh, against the Knicks, like, save that game in the fourth quarter, but, like, in the first half, he was he was going all out defensively and actually making a difference. It, it was hilarious to watch. I like to watch Korver guard. Actually, this is just in general, like... I like to watch when shooters guard each other, like truly good shooters. Mm, because yeah. in that Knicks game, he and McDermott were shadowing each other and just like just dead sprinting around the court trying to <laughs> the other one. And it was just like really fun because like both of them like knew all the little tricks. Okay. And but it was, it was McDermott is also like a bottom two defender in the league. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. But like it was just like fun like watching like he's not a good defender, but like they just like knew what the other one was trying to do. Whether they could stop it or not was a different like uh, factor. But like they were both just like mirroring each other in a really fun way. And like I like to watch it when Reddick does it too. It's pretty like, clear Reddick's that he deserves. It was always really fun. Yeah, it's pretty clear he deserves consistent minutes though because um, I, I think I brought this up on a previous podcast. If so, just yell at me. But um, he 
like J.R. Smith has gravity. J.R. Jay Crowder doesn't necessarily have gravity, um, but he's someone that can hit open shots. But Corver like really makes the defense work because he's not spotting up and pulling a defender out of the paint. He's constantly running through screens. He's he's causing the defense to to kind of shift and move around, similar to how, to how someone that has the ball and is driving into the paint would do because you have to factor him for him at all times and it can get the attention of two three people as as he's going through those screens um he really really impacts the defense with his movement in, in a way you don't you don't see it as much in today's nba like you remember it from like guys like ray allen and and rip hamilton um but i i mean outside of like clay thompson like there, there's not a lot of guys that get their buckets exclusively in that way in, in today's yeah. NBA. Um, I think that you know, I think we've both been frustrated at times with Ty Lue's coaching job. Like we've not been like as yep. thrilled as we'd like to be. Um, but one thing he has done a nice job this year is building in those kind of split cuts for Corver, where uh, you know Corver is getting first off Corver draws three fouls a game. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Like, he gets teams in the bonus just by them, like, desperately, like, pulling back on his hip. Right. Um, and a lot of times he'll generate an open layup for, like, Jeff Green if Jeff Green's setting uh, an off-ball screen for him where Green can just slip it because they're so worried about Corver. Like, he generates outside of his own, like, you know, 9 to 10 points a game. I think he generates a solid 6 to 8 just via movement for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... The sets that Tyron Lue has run successfully in his time with the Cavs, it's not like it's different than what, like, let's say Brad Stevens in Boston would run, where they've got these play designs where they can get anybody a bucket and and that um, like it just generates these looks off cuts and stuff like that. And it's beautiful movement. It's fun basketball to watch. What Tyron Lue runs really well is plays that highlight what an individual player does extremely well offensively and kind of puts the defense in a compromising position. Like when they would use Kyrie as the screener uh, with LeBron as the ball handler, it would put a point guard on, or it would put uh, their small forward on Kyrie, which gives them an advantage there. It puts LeBron on a point guard and and that's where they get an advantage. Um, Corver, as you said, the, the, they use them in a good way where it's really compromising the defense and you're drawing fouls and, and um, the threat of Corver is used really, really well with the team. At least now they're using it well, not necessarily well at the start of the season. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, and Corver has been great. I think Fry has just been like Fry is this dude who like, I know a lot of people were really frustrated with them last season. Um, but I mean, this is a dude who went through a lot of stuff last year. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I think it affected his play. And, like, I mean, to some extent, like, you do have to wonder if there is something going on with, with Jake Crowder as well. Um, I was going to mention that. With the death of it. Was it his father or his mother? It, his mother passed away basically the like an hour after the trade call. So, I mean,. You know, we do underrate where these guys' mental spaces are and how important they are. Yeah, we we forget they're human every now and then. It, it isn't 2K. So every so 
basically every second Channing Fry has played for the Cavaliers and has not been directly grieving, you know, the loss of loved ones. He's been really good. Um, and I'm kind of glad he's worked his way back into the rotation. And I do kind of wonder if that, do you, and this is something I've been thinking about for a minute. So they've gone back to the Crowder love front court. Mm-hmm. They're playing well right now or better than they have been. When Thompson comes back, are they going to go back to the Thompson love front court? I'm really not too sure. I, I think it it's going to be dependent on, how Crowder plays leading up to that. Um, like, if Jay Crowder is still struggling, I wouldn't be surprised if he does move to the bench and they go back to that lineup because that has worked in the past. Like, theoretically, there there's no reason why Isaiah Thomas, J.R. Smith, LeBron, Love, and Thompson shouldn't work nearly as well as the the, the lineups they had in the past with Kyrie there. Um, based on what they'll be asking for from Thomas, um, those should be successful. And I think having Tristan Thompson is actually going to be a, a blessing for Thomas because he hasn't really had a pick-and-roll threat like that in a while. Um, and Kevin Love can get him shots similar to how Al Horford did. Um, like I, I think that's a lineup that works really well, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them go to it. But if for... If this lineup starts to figure it out, if Jay Crowder starts hitting his shots, playing consistently on defense, um, they allow less penetration because that was kind of the gamble, right? That if you have LeBron and Crowder as your your forwards, they're going to limit the amount of penetration and the number of attempts at the rim uh, that Kevin Love would have to contest because he's obviously not a shot blocker or someone that's going to make a difference in that aspect. But if that's not happening and and this team just shows no growth on the defensive end at all, I think you have to go back to Thompson in in those lineups. I mean, I'm fine with that too, because I also think it allows the Cavs to get a little more creative with how they use their bench. Um, Right. uh, Crowder can kind of play that two, three and four as needed. And then you can, and then that's a good way to, you know, kind of, you know, make sure you get Fry in the rotation still. It's really hard to get Fry minutes when you're playing Love at the five and Tristan is at the backup five. Right. Um, no, I, I completely agree that it's just rotation, impossible. It's a lot easier. It's not, you know, impossible, but it is easier if you're going at the Love-Tristan starting combo. And I do think that's ultimately probably their defensive ceiling um, is to start Love and Tristan. And, like, I just worry about Love. Like, I've been writing all the previews for uh, Fear of the Sword for their last three games and like just every day. Way to brag. Way to brag. That's you're a workhorse (laughs) Carter. We appreciate you. Shut up. Uh, (laughs) Point is uh, three games ago, it's Dwight Howard. Okay. Love's going to have to fight Dwight Howard for 40 minutes. And then it's like, uh, okay, he's got to fight DeAndre Jordan for 40 minutes. And then Monday night, it's like, like this dude's gonna wear down over time, I think. Yeah, and, and that was a big part of why the Knicks kind of got out there. Like Porzingis just absolutely eviscerated him, and that was a matchup in the past, at least historically. When you look how Thompson had played against Porzingis, um, Porzingis had always always struggled in that matchup, and Tristan had done a good job. And um, I, I mean, when the, it seems like there's more and more big. Uh, centers that are are talented strong skilled like as much as we talk about the small ball 
the the league starts to seems to be getting bigger and bigger and um i'm i'm with you especially with the back and back issues kevin love has had in the past it's concerning i i wouldn't want to put more stress on his back than is necessary i think that's it just makes sense to me it made sense to me originally and then okay i was like okay i see why you would want to do this uh, but I think with the way Crowder's playing, it just kind of makes sense to put Thompson back in that starting lineup, provided he's fully healthy and back to kind of playing like Tristan Thompson that we know and love. Um, but yeah, I, I just think this team is trending up. And I think ultimately they're going to have a lot of opportunities to prove that they're, you know, that they're not past their prime or that these three finals runs haven't wiped them out. Um, because until they do set that baseline that Zach Lowe talked about in his pod, uh, it is going to, there is going to be a degree of concern. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely fair. Like my biggest concern, like I, I know people get on Tristan Thompson. He, he's an easy guy to kind of single out with the Cavs, but they need him to play like he did last season uh, in the regular season. And through part of the playoffs, he did have that knee tendon nice that ended up being an issue, but um he really added rim protection to his arsenal last season, especially the the first two thirds of the year. Uh, he was just fantastic on the defensive end, and if he's not performing in that role, they just have nobody else that can do it. Um, this this might actually be a good segue. I'm going to throw out the trade theory. Uh, we talked a little bit about it off air, uh, but with Mike Conley hurting his Achilles and Memphis currently being under 500 do you think at all there would be any possibility of Marcus all hitting the trade market um like to me i would give up a lot for Marcus all like i i think that would be a big time game changer here i would even throw in the the most i would give up would be thompson Shumpert and the Brooklyn pick for Gasol in return. Obviously, you you try to get them for less, or you try to get something else thrown in by Memphis. Um, but I think that would be a worthwhile deal, even at his age of thirty-two. And he's turning thirty-three this season. Yeah, so same age as LeBron. It. I mean, it's a tough sell. I think in a lot of ways because this is. I mean, like if you if if it doesn't work, then you're just screwed long term. Um. But, I mean, it's not like he's not a movable piece. I mean, I I skew short-term. Like, I don't really care that much about six years from now for the Cavs. <laughs> like, we'll figure it out later. Right. Um, Because I just think you have to maximize the LeBron window as long as you can and ideally keep him there. Um, mm-hmm. But I do worry about having, even though Gasol is a defensive savant, like, he's not super fleet of foot at this point in his career. And neither is Kevin Love. Um, and that is kind of a slow-footed front court, even if, you know, a LeBron-Love front Gasol front court has enough defensive savvy and LeBron does cover a lot of wards. I don't know. Uh, I think the fit's really interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if a center is what, like, puts you over the edge against the Warriors. See, to me, the big thing is Memphis has always played Golden State really close and really well. Um, they've either blown out Golden State or hung around in, until the end in a lot of their games. And I think a big part of that is they do play the slow it down style. Gasol is not only a great defensive player and can anchor a team defensively, but he also stretches it out like he's a three-point shooter. He's a great passer. Um 
and I, I just think that's the way you beat Golden State is that slow it down style. And I, I mean, they hung around and, and they played them tight with Gasol and Zach Randolph. And I, I think Kevin Love at this point is a better defensive player than Zach Randolph, uh, certainly taller. I, I think it makes it tough for Golden State to go too small against them. I think it makes a conundrum for who Draymond Green is going to cover. Maybe he's not able to stick Love all the time, and then all of a sudden that opens up Kevin Love as an offensive option against the Warriors. And if you are getting burned, you can go with Gasol, with LeBron and Crowder as your front court, and really combat Golden State that way. So I think when you talk about a lineup that can, when you play that slow it down style and and really bringing up, bringing the ball up slowly, making those possessions count, beating them up on the boards with Love and Gasol, I just think it dramatically increases the Cavs' chances. Like right now, I, I know Golden State isn't playing their best basketball, but I, I still think they're a better team than last season, and and last year's team was probably arguably the the greatest team ever put together. So I I think the chances are a little bit slim right now. And this is the type of thing that makes a difference this year. It might help you keep LeBron as well. Um, And he's got three years left on a deal, a game that isn't necessarily predicated on athleticism. Um, I I just think it's a good fit. Yeah. um, Here's a question. And I, I don't like to like, I I'm not opposed to the idea as much as I'm just interested in it. No, for sure. I, I mean that that's the it most important. That's the most interesting part of trades is the theoretical. That's yeah. Uh, people did, love the hypothetical. Here's my question. So we we know Kevin Love is a really gifted passer, and mm-hmm. that's never manifested in Cleveland. I think that's fair to say. You're you're wondering if that would be used with Gasol. A hundred percent. It's like doesn't need Gasol, to be. I think it does to make it really worth it. Like part of the reason like him being able to drop those nice passes down from the elbow and, and facilitate and like kind of play that two man game with Conley. Like that's all really important. And it's like, if the Cavs are going to use him as a straight up post up big man or a pick and pop, guy, that's not enough. I think that's a really valid point. And as much as I've been a Tyron Lue defender, I think if something like this would manifest itself um, and they don't use him properly, I, I think then you, you have to reevaluate where if the players are still connecting with Lou and, and that and that's working out, then maybe you keep him, but you take the responsibilities offensively out of his hands and, and bring in an offensive coordinator and an assistant coach that handles that. Um, I, I know often we, we assign all of the responsibility um, for the coaching in the NBA to the head coach, but that, that simply isn't the case. Um, look look with the Warriors, how Mike Brown and Steve Kerr are, are opposites in some ways, and they, they complement each other. Maybe that's what you do with Tyron Lue. Um, but I would have serious concerns if that trade happened, um, which is... But let's be clear, is a huge long shot. Memphis may even say no to, to the, uh, an offer like that. Um, that that guy is the franchise. He he means so much to that community. Um, and, and they're still a pretty damn good team. And we, we don't know how long Mike Conley is going to be out for. Um, but I, I think it would be worthwhile to at least explore it. I, I think that's my main point. But if the trade did happen, 
um, and he isn't used properly, I think that's when you have to kind of evaluate why you can have Isaiah Thomas, LeBron, Love, and Gasol and not make it work. Yeah, I mean, I think that they definitely could do... Uh, I think they could definitely do well with it, but it is not a no-doubter fit. And, uh, I mean, I would be interested. I think it would be really fun. And, like, I, I always like an interesting, fun-to-watch team. Uh, and I think Gasol would certainly help with that, but I don't think it would be a no-brainer. Um, and I think maybe the Cavs are waiting to save that Brooklyn pick for a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, I just... I just don't think there's a lot of situations where that player becomes available. Nope. But you never know. I mean, the NBA is so weird and so well, many unexpected things happen. Also depends what that Nets pick is looking like. They, yep. keep, they keep competing with teams like assholes. <laughs> or if the uh, one-and-done rule gets pulled out and all of a sudden high school players are allowed to go in this draft. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. <laughs> that would increase the margin for error for sure. But uh, before we move on from the subject of the Nets, I think we got to go over their schedule for this week. They almost came back. They they came back against the Warriors, which was absolutely horrifying. They had a, a big third quarter there, um, which would have just been absolutely trolltastic from the Warriors if they, they blew that game against the Nets. Mm-hmm. That would have drove me nuts. Yep. Are the Cavs blowing it Wednesday against the the Nets, because you called it last time. I want to know: Are they blowing it in Cleveland on Wednesday? Uh, no, the Cavs are going to come out there. Uh, they're going to actually give a shit. Uh, they got embarrassed last time, and no, no one's more dangerous than an embarrassed Cavs team because they actually might try. <laughs> uh, Nets are without D'Angelo Russell, who's obviously really important for them, even though they were without him in their winning against the Cavs. Um, I will say, even though I think the guys are going to win this game, if they're more than four to one underdogs, you, you can bet your ass I'm going to bet on, on the Nets. <laughs> oh, you're a gambling man. I love it. Um, then, I mean, the Nets are now third last in the East, which is obviously positive. Um, they got a lot of road games coming up. Like they're in Cleveland, then they host Portland on Friday, and then it's Memphis, Houston, and Dallas which obviously Memphis is banged up and Dallas is just, well, let's call it what it is, dog shit. Um, I, I I still see a lot of losses for them, and I I think they're a team that's been riding high and has been playing well. Uh, obviously, they they seem... The, the coaching has, there has been fantastic because they've been without two of their best players now for uh, a noteworthy amount of games like D'Angelo Russell's been out Jeremy Lin went down in the first game and when you're missing two guys that were responsible for initiating your offense and you're still this good offensively um, I think you have to credit the coaching but I think if they get a few losses uh, in a row if those really string together I think things could fall apart in a hurry for them yeah I mean if you're looking at the standings right now You've got the Mavs are clearly worse. The Hawks are clearly worse. The Bulls are clearly worse. Then it gets a little messy. The Kings are 4-12, and 12, uh, and they're, they've been pretty awful, but they're probably in the same tier. Uh, the Clippers are the fifth-worst team in the league right now on an eight-game losing streak. Um, give us Pat Bev for free, please. Uh, oh, my God. Now, that's a guy I would—obviously, you're not giving up the Brooklyn pick for him, but— um, yeah, if there was any way to make that happen, I'd be all over that. Um, and then 
than the Nets. So, I mean, I think right now the Lakers are tied with the Nets. The Lakers are just actually they just moved ahead of them with their win against the Nuggets. So the Nets will likely be settled in as the fifth worst team in the league um, over the course of the stretch as their schedule gets tougher. Um, but, I mean, teams are going to have to take it from them. They're not giving it this year at all. They're not giving it away. Right. So, Which is I annoying. Mean, I'm I'm already sick of watching Nets games and watching their box scores. It is quite the burden. It is quite the burden. Speaking of annoying, the Boston Celtics and, and their fans, both the ones that cover their team and the ones that sit in the stands, um, my God, they take winning well, eh? They they don't overreact at all. They they understand that it, it's early in the season and, and that this team, I mean, their floor is probably 80 wins, right? Yeah, I mean, minimum. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no cheering in the press box, huh, guys? No Come cheering on. in the press box. Um, man, there's a lot of heat checks. There are a lot of heat check articles already, which I know that's a, a favorite pastime of you is collecting some of the best articles that uh, that Celtics Twitter can put together. Listen, Justin, did you know that the Celtics might be for real? Ooh, I've never heard that one before. Oh, um, yeah, it's dumb. Uh, I, I imagine they'll stop having the best defensive rebounding rate in the league. Uh, <laughs> just a thought. I mean, maybe they'll be that good forever. I, I don't foresee that being the case. But, you know, what the hell do I know? I thought Don't, don't, don't slander Al Horford as a rebounder or his sister will come after you. She sure will. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 happy. Um, it's I'm happy to see uh, Kyrie do well. Um, I I want to see them fail in the playoffs, and I, I'm fairly confident that um, this is my hot take. This is my hot November take. Seen as everyone seems to like to get those takes out, um, sure. I don't think the Cavs are going to play Boston in the playoffs. I think. <laughs> You son of a bitch. I think that when you talk about teams that are built for the playoffs, um, I'm trusting Milwaukee, Washington, and even Toronto over Boston this year. So unless we get matched up with them in in the second round, um, I don't think that this Boston team is making the conference finals. They are due for regression. I don't trust Jalen Brown being this good as a shooter from three. Um, I I think Jason Tatum's a nice player, um, but maybe he's due for some regression. They're they're going to go through some slumps, and um, when this team comes back down to earth, I think there are some very real flaws uh, that have been masked by a lot of very large comebacks early this season. I agree. All right. Well, on that happy note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, appreciate all the feedback from our listeners. Remember, you can uh, support the show by rate, reviewing, and subscribing, as well as supporting our sponsors. Uh, we're, we're very, very thrilled with Draft. Um, I won tonight. Even though I picked John Wall with my last pick and he didn't end up playing and I got a zero, I still still came away with the win because I had Curry and 
Kuzma came through in the clutch in a one-on-one matchup. So that's my cool story because everyone loves listening to other people talk about their fantasy teams. Uh, But make sure that you are checking us on Draft. Remember, with your draft.com. And with your first deposit, you can get a free play when you use the promo code THECHASEDOWN. So make sure you're doing that. Tell your friends, steal their phones, sign them up, use their promo code. And while you have their phone in your hand, rate, review, and subscribe. It's the best way to support us. Uh, So for Carter and myself, we appreciate you listening. And as always, go Cavs. (laughs) Oh, 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 o